Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest podcast. This is going to be on the current status of AI in the emergency room, perhaps more precisely, AI in emergency radiology. Now, if you look and ask people where AI is today or where it's going really quickly, you'll get different appearances and opinions. This article by Obermeyer in New England Journal of Medicine literally five years ago, 2016, Machine learning is going to displace much of the work of radiologists and anatomical pathologists. These physicians focus largely on interpreting uh, digitized images, which can easily be fed directly into algorithms instead. Massive data sets combined with recent advances in computer vision will drive rapid improvement in performance, and machine accuracy will soon exceed that of humans. Indeed, radiology is already partway there. Algorithms can replace a second radiologist reading mammograms and will soon exceed human accuracy. The article goes on to make the point that patient safety advocates will push for the use of algorithms over humans. Algorithms need no sleep. They don't eat. They're vigilant at 2 a.m. and 2 p.m. and 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Algorithms will also monitor and interpret streaming physiologic data, replacing aspects of anesthesiology and critical care. The time scale for these disruptions is years, not decades. Now, one would have to say that was five years ago, and we have made a lot of progress, but we're nowhere near where the article likes to think you are. The fact is, you could, of course, listen to Jeffrey Hinton, who's one of the godfathers of AI, just a brilliant person. And his comment was, there's a very good video on YouTube you can watch, and I think on CTSS we've played it, that it's completely obvious that in five years, deep learning is going to do better than radiologists. It might be 10 years. I said this at a hospital. It did not go down well. You should not be training radiologists, is what he said. Now, it's interesting, medical students, recent articles say up to 20% of medical students who wanted to go into radiology are actually choosing not to go into radiology because they are concerned that radiology is going to disappear or change in a way that is really not going to be in their best interests. Now, on the other hand, there are articles like this one by Banja. It's hard to predict the future and what immensely complicates predictions over seemingly promising technologies like gene therapy or AI is how their complex construction will interface with other equally complex and dynamic technologies, all of which operate in an environment of unceasing economic and institutional flux. It remains anyone's guess as to how AI applications will be affected by their integration with PACs, how liability trends or regulatory efforts will affect AI, whether reimbursement for AI will justify its use, how mergers and acquisitions will affect AI implementation, and how will AI models will accommodate ethical requirements related to informed consent, privacy, and patient access. An excellent statement, and what he really is in a sense saying is AI to be in clinical practice is more than just how good the AI is. If you can pick up pancreatic cancer earlier like we're trying to do, it's many steps before it's actually in place in the clinic in big hospitals and small hospitals. There's many burdens and roadblocks that must be overcome. 
I am a firm believer we will overcome those roadblocks and AI will change for the better radiology, but it's not going to be overnight. It's important to keep the evolution of AI and machine learning technology in context so as not to become overly enthusiastic about the current capabilities and simultaneously not to become overly pessimistic about future developments. Though the promised delivery date of fully driving cars has continuously been pushed back for the past decade, and Tesla is promising it, Elon Musk, almost every month it's coming, Again, things, the last mile is often the most difficult mile. But again, I think the thing about it is to be optimistic or realistic, knowing that these changes are coming and it's indeed exciting. We commented in this article by Tang, the main challenge of emergency medicine involves the timely provision of medical triage, defined as the process of sorting patients according to urgency and severity. This is required owing to the unpredictable nature of emergencies and conditions present where resources are sometimes limited and stretched. The potential use of machine learning and deep learning can potentially help discern patterns of data gathered over the years and shed insights for improvement in the ED processes. And that's 100% true. When you look at places where AI is going to help in radiology and in medicine, I think there's no better place to start than the ER. The ER, in a sense, is its own village and its own challenges. And many people, all of us, are aware of some of the difficulties. Patients come and go based on the hours, different severity of patients. Do you have CT and MR, ultrasound? Do you have those in the ER or do you not? Big and small hospitals, level one trauma centers are different than non-level one trauma centers. So it's really a interesting challenge because it's triage is how fast can you get the patient in, make the right diagnosis and manage that patient, hopefully by discharging them, but sometimes admitting them. Tang in his article makes the point there are four main application areas, pre-hospital emergency management, patient acuity, triage and disposition, prediction of medical ailments and conditions, and emergency department management. And each of those are equally important, and each of them is going to drive where and how AI is used. Now, there are other articles. This article, Canadian Association of Radiologists, just published the other week. It's interesting, by the way, when I was giving this talk at the Texas Children's Hospital Grand Rounds, or actually their AI meeting in mid-October, I commented that when I put the talk together, which was within a week of the meeting, I found so many new articles that most of the articles I showed, or at least half of them, were things that were published in the last five days. So in this article, which is brand new, they speak about the AI and the ER, how an emergency radiologist's role is pivotal in the execution of AI-guided systems within the context of an emergency and trauma radiology department. And in fact, they look at some of the processes that need to be involved. They talk about six processes. And let me go through the six of them in a little bit more detail. But again, I think perhaps it's a good way of looking at the processes. So for example, there's order entry for imaging studies optimized by AI, designing the right protocol. A stroke protocol and a trauma protocol and an acute abdomen protocol are different. 
Protocols can be designed based on the evaluation of the patient being brought in. A patient coming in by helicopter where it's a MVA, you know you need a total body scan, you need IV contrast, you know exactly what you're going to do. The optimal use of imaging resources and preventing overuse. What patients really need CTs and what can get by with plain films? We want to make certain we do what's right for the patient and do the best study for that patient, but not do the same thing for every patient if we don't have to. We run by certain protocols, and protocols are very helpful in a trauma setting, but we want to make sure we have the right protocols. Image protocoling is streamlined by AI. What's the best study, CTMR or ultrasound? You can choose that, or the computer can help you. Errors in designing ER protocols for CT, for example, can result in suboptimal studies. You got the wrong phase. You didn't do non-contrast. You didn't do delayed. You didn't do arterial. You didn't do 3D mapping. Well, AI can help you choose the right study for the right patient and problem. Imaging acquisition is supported by AI. Optimal scan protocols can be done with decreased interaction on a case-by-case basis between the radiologists and technologists. Yes, radiologists and technologists need to work closely together, and we do set up protocols, but if the computer helps you do the right protocol every time, there's less confusion by the technologists, there's less uncertainty, and particularly in an era where there's teleradiology, the teleradiologists really aren't involved in selecting the protocols that are typically not available. The technologist doing the study doesn't even know who's going to read the study, let alone what to ask them. But now the technologist will have a helper, and that helper is going to be AI. Number four, image post-processing supported by AI. 3D imaging, things like cinematic rendering can be done automatically, so it's always available at time of study. Whether it's bone removal and then doing MIP for runoff studies or 3D mapping for the aorta or for the pancreas. Post-processing, including volume calculations and other features can be automated. Measurements looking at change in aortic size, looking at volumes of structures, volumes of masses, all of this can be done potentially with the computer helping us do it. Decision support provided by AI. Triage and work list optimization. AI can be used, and I'll talk about it, for detecting many pathologies from pneumothorax to pneumoperitoneum to spinal fractures. AI detection of incidental findings and management of these findings. AI can look at your reports and determine is the patient in need of follow-up for a lung nodule, a thyroid nodule, an indeterminate renal mass, what needs to be done, and AI can potentially do it for you and schedule it for you. Clinical decision support provided by AI integration. AI assist in clinical diagnosis and management decisions. You can look at the recent work on sepsis, predicting who will uh, have problems. You can look at the work with AI looking at chest x-rays and lab values and oxygen um, needs for patients with COVID and predicting who will need to be admitted and who will need to be on a respirator. Potential role of wearable devices in the ER may help with monitoring patients, especially when they go to radiology for exams. They're not sitting in the hallway unmonitored. You surely wouldn't want that. Now, when you look at AI in the ER, and if you look at this chart of approval of AI applications, um, you see that radiology dwarfs everything else. It's several times everything else. 
And a lot of these are in the ER setting. Now, the FDA has done a good job, so let me give kudos to the FDA because I, I want them to be nice to me someday. But truthfully, the FDA has done a good job. They've published white papers. They've had a reasonable stance on AI. They've also allowed apps to be accepted that are very specific. They don't say for a, tr a skeletal trauma app, you need to be able to read every bone. They've approved apps that can only read the wrist on a plain x-ray. So they're very specific on what it can do, but they're not saying, okay, you can't get an app until you can look at every bone in the body. And so when you look at things, the other thing the FDA is doing, and I'll go through this, is helping with triage of patients, not so much the replacement of radiologists. Yes, it can be used as a second radiologist, as in a helper, but it's triage where things are really getting strong. The FDI strategy of approving programs that do not change the radiologist's final read of a study protects the patient and provides a comfort zone for radiologists. But long term, surely it's going to help us read and be more active. And in many situations, particularly areas where there's shortages of radiologists, like in London, it's reading chest x-rays separating them into normal and abnormal, and the radiologists then read the small percent they're abnormal. Is that perfect? No, but it may be in an ideal world what you need to do. Now, I did mention before at the beginning of the talk that some people, junior people, as in medical students or interns, are a little bit afraid that if AI takes over, is radiology a good specialty to go to? Several articles from Canada, the US, and Europe, and Asia, have shown that up to 20% of potential radiology residents will not go into radiology because they're uncertain as to what the future holds. So that becomes very important. In this article we wrote at Hopkins, Edmund uh, Weisberg and Linda Chu, um, the point about radiologists and AI, again, making the point that we don't see AI replacing radiologists. Maybe some administrators would like that, but I think it's gonna help radiologists with a lot of the tasks that are somewhat painful to do, but it's gonna help you as a second reader perhaps, but I still think for a long time, we're not being replaced. So don't worry about your job today. Now, if you look at triage in the ER, there are a number of things that the FDA approved. Four of the common ones, detection of intracranial bleed, PE detection, pneumothorax detection, and skeletal trauma evaluation. And you can see very, very classic applications of what they're looking at. Now, the FDA has been good. They've approved limited scope applications, wrist fractures on chest x-ray. Oh, I'm sorry, wrist fractures on plain x-rays, not chest x-rays. Then the AI would be really good if it only looked at your chest and predicted whether you had a wrist fracture. That would be pretty good, actually. Improved triage versus routine use. So with intracranial hemorrhage, typically think about a teleradiology company. They read all the cases in order that they arrive. Well, now if you use AI to detect bleeding or suspected bleeding and you find a case with a bleed, you put it to the front of the list. That patient will be imaged 35 to 45 minutes earlier in terms of being read. And we know with bleeding, brain is time. So it becomes very important. It's also interesting that with AI, like many fields, there are all new players. Yes, you have Siemens. Yes, you have GE. Yes, you have Philips. 
but you have companies like AI Doc and Zebra and many, many other companies that are involved. Now, in terms of the FDA, as we mentioned, this idea about looking at apps, um, I read an article about a week ago, there's over 460 apps approved in medicine, and there is a website you can go to from the ACR, which will show you all of the new approvals. So you can really get a feel of what people are doing and where the resources are and where the technology changes that will affect us will be coming. And here's just a simple chart I also found looking at approvals from uh, uh, the FDA on AI. What's important about this to recognize is the majority of approvals are within radiology. And then when you look at radiology more specifically on the apps that were approved, and this is from a recent article, you can see the range of different companies. You can see the range of different possibilities of what was approved in pediatrics, in hematology, in radiology, ophthalmology, but you see many of those are radiology. You also look at radiology and then the number of apps approved in abdominal imaging or the number of apps approved in chest imaging. So again, many different companies, many different applications. But progress is indeed very quickly, and all of these are FDA approved. Now, if I get more specific, now I do not have any conflicts of interest, so I'll name a number of companies. This company developed an app to detect wrist fractures on regular x-rays. Now you think about it, do we really need help? Well, many places don't have radiologists, and it's been shown that this program is better than most non-radiologists and better than some radiologists. It locates and marks the location of a fracture of the wrist. Okay, very simple. It's not doing the shoulder, it's not doing the elbow, it's not doing the knee. It's only doing the distal radius, looking at for radial fractures. It's intended to be used by clinicians in various settings, including primary care, emergency medicine, urgent care, and specialty care such as orthopedics. Now, one thing you see from that, if it gets really good, one of the challenges you might have is not that AI replaces radiologists, but that the ER docs or the family practice docs who always like reading the x-rays and billing for their reading will then say, hey, I can do it as well as radiologists because I have AI helping me. That will indeed be an important thing. Another app. This app briefcase was done from AI doc for approval of detection of intracranial hemorrhage. Now the app is not to find intracranial hemorrhage and compare it to the radiologist for better or worse, but what it is is, is a triage app. So you think about it, you have a stack of films and the radiologist reads them over time. Now what it's saying is every head CT gets read by the computer and if it's positive for blood, you move it to the front of the list. Articles have shown that'll save 35 to 50 minutes because the study is read faster. It becomes the next study. For the radiologist, it's not a problem because, hey, I gotta read it anyway. What difference does it matter if I read it now or I read it later? And one of the other things that becomes very important with briefcase is that it's very accurate for detecting bleed. And some of the uh, findings in articles published have shown that not only does it triage patients, but it also picks up subtle bleeds that the radiologist would have missed. 
Now, what does it do in terms of the work list? And this is from AI Doc. Basically, it marks on the work list the cases with suspected bleed. So you look at them and you do it right away. In this article by uh, Mosabana and Hainer, looking at you know intracranial bleeds, what they found was a high sensitivity, high specificity, over, high overall accuracy, and triage really would save 35 to 50 minutes in terms of uh, patients having their studies read. And again, that high sensitivity and specificity and accuracy really was also used by radiologists. It's been shown in other series that it picked up bleeds that the radiologist would have missed if it wasn't marked. Now, in this article by Laughlin, which looks at turnaround time before and after AI uh, was installed to detect intracranial hemorrhage, overall a 24.5% reduction in, time, in turnaround time and a greater than 37.8% in all intracranial hemorrhage positive cases, suggesting the cases that are positive were prioritized. Again, for the radiologist, you read it now, you read it later. For the patient, you need to have it read now. And here's just another good example of a couple cases. And you can see these were triaged to the top of the list. Now, no one's forcing you to read them, but obviously you're going to read them because you're going to look also more suspiciously because the computer is saying something and you're going to look really hard to exclude that bleed. Now, beyond AI Doc, beyond Zebra, there are other articles. Here's a, an article from a group at University of California, San Francisco, UCSF. They had four board-certified radiologists looking at 200 randomly selected head CT scan studies and they found that the computer was so good that it was better in performance than two of the four radiologists. So again, now it's not just triage, now it's accuracy. And here's just a, a couple screenshots from that article. But the point being, we're not simply saying it's triaging now, which is the goal in the app. We're saying it's actually more accurate because some of the cases that get triaged would have been totally missed at all. And just to be careful, there are a number of different other companies that have this intracranial bleed app now. Zebra Medical is one of them. I think some of the other big players have it as well. Now let's look at some other applications, but we're kind of running out of time for this session. So let's take a break and come back and discuss this further. See you in a few minutes, guys. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.